Let this melody, a haunting refrain, stir the embers of your memory. Does it resonate with the echoes of your past? For in its notes, I find the fragments of my own recollections awakened. This song, Talaqa, Tilwa Talaqa, or a shot after shot in English, emerges from the heart of Syrian artist Tariq al-Arabi Tarqan. It's not just a melody, but a poignant elegy, a response to the tragic fate of Muhammad al-Durra, whose young life was cut short by Israeli soldiers. Like a recurring dream, this song has often returned to me a somber reminder of the ongoing tragedy in Palestine. Muhammad's story, a chapter of a lost childhood, echoes within me. He was a mere 12-year-old child in Gaza, his life brutally taken during the Second Intifada back in 2000. If he had lived, he would be around my age today. Muhammad's story is a single drop in an ocean of similar stories where countless children have been lost or forever changed, caused by the shadow of Israeli occupation over the past 75 years. Within the confines of the Gaza Strip alone, children represent half the population. A study in 2022 conducted by Save the Children, a nonprofit organization, showcased the impact of a 15-year-old blockade on the mental health of Gaza's children. The research, which includes the voices of children and their parents, revealed a significant and alarming decline in the psychosocial health of children and their guardians since 2018. For context, these findings predate the recent horrors we've all been seeing, only underscoring the severity of the situation. The lives of Gaza's children have been aptly described as hell on earth by UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. To reverse this tide of despair, the study underscores two critical needs. Firstly, an immediate end to the most significant stressors in these young lives, conflict, violence, and extreme economic deprivation. And secondly, initiatives to nurture and strengthen the resilience and coping mechanisms of children and their families in Gaza. In response to the first need, we all pray and hope for a united front to exert influence and pressure on global powers to this end, to keep speaking up and donating for the immediate basic needs relief, which is beyond vital at this stage. Regarding the second need, we see a tapestry of support, with individuals leveraging their skills, knowledge, and influence. On one day while browsing through the world of Omani art exhibition, a conversation about Palestine led to the discovery of a Oman-based initiative, a testament to the power of art and solidarity in these trying times. To uncover art's significance in coping and expressing, here is a closer look at it with one of its founders. One major way that people can process is through voicing and expressing their thoughts and emotions and their experiences. One way that has been shown to be quite quite helpful is art. And that could include writing, like literature is a form of art. It could be painting, drawing, could be music, could be a bunch of things. We can't forget all the journalists and all the photographers who spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and also you know, put themselves in harm's way. To be able to share these powerful images and these and just factual information with us, you know. So I think in a way, art really does play a large role in how we can understand things. This is Ali Waqar, 
an artist and graphic designer currently in Masqat. Here representing Houda Tata'ar. It's an artist initiative based here in Oman, uh, started by a few of my fellow artists and designers. And essentially, we started it as a reaction to what's been going on in Gaza. And we wanted to find a way that we could use our skills and uh, our expertise, I guess, to try and help. So essentially, right now, we're working on uh, selling prints. And with the proceeds of those prints, it would go to Tamar uh, Institute. So what is Aoudat al-Ta'ir? Where does the name come from? We started off with a different name, actually. We were just going to start off with uh, Prince for Palestine or Matbu'at li Palestine. We were kind of working on with that name for quite a while. And in the end, I found a book called uh, The Return of the Bird in English. But the original title is Aoudat al-Ta'ir. And it was written by a Palestinian author. His name is Mu'in Biseso. And uh, essentially, it was, I believe, the English children's storybook was published in the 80s. The moral of the story was essentially that the community, the whole, can help an individual, can help the ones that are most uh, vulnerable and disadvantaged. And so we kind of really took to that story and found that it really gave us more of an identity as well. The story lessons of Aoudat al-Ta'ir are actually part of a second grade Palestinian Arabic curriculum and you can find plenty of references of it on YouTube and other sources. There is also an animated version of the story on YouTube as well. So let's go back to the initiative and what its mission statement is. So the vital significance of our stories and storytelling processes, their early influence on the development of a child, as well as their rootedness in our cultural heritage, we find it crucial for us to carry our narrative with us into future generations. In Marine Beseso's storybook, Aoudat et Ta'ar, The Return of the Bird in English, the narrative tells of a little bird that was caught in a violent storm, who lost its feathers and fell to the ground. Helpless, it was attacked by voracious eagles. It is only through the collective efforts of his flock that the fallen bird is saved. Each bird plucked out a feather from their wings and gifted it to the naked bird, and the bird rose up and took flight with the rest of his flock. It is through this act of solidarity and social commitment and our belief in the importance of such resistance literature we have initiated Da'udat al-Ta'ar. Our first launch is a humble print sale where the proceeds will go to Tamar Institute for Community Education. Tamar is an educational NGO established in 1989 based in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. It primarily targets children and young adults where their programming aims to contribute to enhancing reading, writing, and all forms of expression among children and young adults. I discussed also with Ali the why behind Tamar Institute. When there are countless charities and organizations out there, it makes it hard to trust which to go for. But here's the why behind the initiative selection. One of the reasons why we chose the Tamar Institute was because a lot of um, resources are being given to some of the larger uh, charities, such as the UNRWA, the Palestinian Children's Relief Fund, and the Palestinian Red Crescent. And so essentially, we, um, you know, given how very few trucks are able to get in there right now, we wanted to find a way that we could help. So we decided that we would look for another another charity. One of our team members, Reem, she actually found Tamar and she was instrumental in getting us on board. I think she shared the information with us. She brought up good up, good points, like the ones I already mentioned. But also, you know, we visited their website and found, uh, we actually did meet them in person, not myself, but Reem. 
And uh, we got to know them a little bit and they publish all of their records, you know, and they have a large presence online where they show exactly what they're doing and who they're helping. You know, a lot of their initiatives are quite fantastic. So they do a lot in terms of, as I said, uh, education and focusing on building community among children. And they're based in both the West Bank and Gaza. So they have, you know, two camps in each place. Part of what they do is they start, you know, youth-led initiatives. There's one called Yiraha. And they focus on providing voices to children. You can check out their Instagram. They have letters that children have written, young adults have written about their experience right now, what it means to, you know, not be able to go home, what it means to have to deal with the struggles of bombing and food scarcity and all the horrors that come out of what's going on right now. So in a way, they're providing this form of therapy for younger people to be able to, you know, process a lot of the, the atrocities that are going on right now. So that's one of the major reasons why we wanted to help. And I think there was also this sense of kinship where it, it is a creative pursuit. You know, education is something we all care about, of course, and is very important in the livelihoods of children and everybody. The other aspect is the creative pursuit. So they do provide options and opportunities for young Palestinians to write creatively, poetry, prose, uh, write about their experiences. And so this kind of creative thread that is a large part of the organization we really connected with and uh, we wanted to help support. So what's next for Audat al initiative? What should we expect coming up next? We're going to be sharing different literature on the subject, largely meant for children and young adults. So sharing resources, giving people the opportunity to read more and also educate their kids on the subject, because it is a very difficult subject to teach children a lot of really sensitive subjects that you know, a lot of parents might have a hard time explaining to their children. So there is a lot of uh, intelligent people out there, a lot of creative people out there who have produced things that um, might appeal. To, to this kind of audience. So um, we're going to be collecting that and sharing that. You know, this is our first our first round and we wanted to really focus our network and our community. And so as a, as a home base, you know. I'm sure you've been wondering who's behind this initiative. So let's introduce the collective behind the initiative. There's a team of four. It's uh, Reem Falaknaz, a wonderful photographer and uh, artist from the UAE who's based between the UAE and Oman. Safar al-Belushi, an Omani artist. And uh, Mohammed al-Attar, also known as Maymoon, great artist, great friend of mine, and myself, Ali Waqar. Wishing all the best to the collective and their initiative. As we draw this episode to a close... I wish to leave with a beacon of hope. The Palestinians in their enduring journey have taught us a profound lesson in bravery rooted in unyielding faith and hope. Amidst their tragedy, they continue to embrace life and love with remarkable resilience. My heartfelt prayer is for a future where we witness a liberated Palestine, a nation thriving in freedom and its love for life. To encapsulate the sentiment, let us reflect on the poignant words of the late Palestinian poet and martyr, Rifat al-Ar'ir. If I must die, you must live. To tell my story. To sell my things. To buy a piece of cloth and some strings. Make it white with a long tail, so that a child somewhere in Gaza, while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh 
not even to himself, sees the kite, my kite you made, flying up above, and thinks for a moment, an angel's there, bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope, let it be a tale. Check the show notes for all the references and links mentioned on the episode, and make sure to follow Audat Attar and support them in their wonderful work. This has been your host, Maria Ocean, created for the Gola Project.